I'm Jennifer Hambrick, midday host of Classical 101, WOSU Public Media in Columbus. I'm John Sherman, Associate Professor of Film at Kenyon College. This is Sound Reels, Classical 101's film music podcast. West Side Story was a hit on Broadway, and its film adaptation was a hit on the big screen. You might think that Tony and Maria are the two lead characters in the show, but as the saying goes, and as we'll discuss in this episode of Sound Reels, the devil is in the details of the musical score. Directed by Robert Wise and Jerome Robbins, the 1961 film adaptation of West Side Story took 10 Academy Awards, including for Best Picture and Best Music Scoring for a Motion Picture. figure in American music in the 20th century, composer, conductor, and pianist Leonard Bernstein composed the music for the show. Bernstein's music was scored for film by Saul Chaplin, Johnny Green, Erwin Kostal, and Sid Raman. This really is one of the all-time great Broadway musicals. I mean, even if you haven't seen the show, you can hum the tune from Tonight or Maria or America or any number of the show's signature songs and dance numbers. The music has just taken hold that deeply, I think, in American culture. But really, the music in this show and in its film adaptation is a lot more than just pretty songs and accompaniments for Jerome Robbins' fun dance numbers. One of the things that struck me watching this film again, to sit down with you, is how edgy the feel of it is in terms of the way Robert Wise shot and lit it. It feels very jittery. It doesn't necessarily feel romantic. It feels to me like something bad is going to happen at any moment. And Mm -hmm. I think that the way that he staged it, his compositions, made me feel on edge as I was watching the whole film. Huh, interesting. Well, you know, I think one of the brilliant things about Leonard Bernstein's score for West Side Story is that it's beautiful in the right places, yet it's intense in the right places. But throughout the whole show, the score is really incredibly cohesive within itself and with the drama of the interactions of the characters. And to your point, this is a show that actually is quite dark. And, you know, spoiler alert, it has a dark ending. So we'll talk about a few clips that really highlight how the score works to bring out the film's drama, how the visuals kind of interact with the score as well to bring out the film's drama, which is actually really quite serious. Yeah, it's Romeo and Juliet. It's not meant to end happily. It is romantic, but it also definitely lets you know at the beginning that it's going to end tragically. This is the opening scene of the film, and in the musical score, the very first thing you hear is this. The distance between two musical notes is called an interval, and the interval between the first two notes in West Side Story is called a tritone. And back in the Middle Ages, music theorists called the tritone Diabolus in Musica, or the devil in music. Diabolos actually means divider, and the tritone divides the octave evenly in half. So the devil in music was a true musical divider. This interval also has kind of an evil sound and is considered a very volatile interval. So when its two notes sound at the same time as they would in a chord, they give that chord the feeling that it needs to move to a different chord or resolve to a more stable, more pleasant sounding chord. This interval 
the tritone, is the musical representation of the film's essential drama. Since the tritone divides the octave in half, on that level, it can be heard to represent the division between the jets and the sharks. The division between the gangs carries into the love story between Tony and Maria, who strive over the course of the film to be together, despite coming from opposite sides of the cultural divide. The music that unfolds over the course of this first scene on the basketball court and the dance number all around the city streets that turns into a street fight between the Jets and the Sharks outlines again and again the interval of the Tritone. So you can really hear throughout the number in the musical score the division between these two groups of people. Then that extends to the division that really exists deep down between Tony and Maria despite their efforts to the contrary. Robert Wise trained as an editor before he became a director. And I love how the compositions and the blocking of actors in the frame complement the music beautifully. And his cutting style really supports what you say about the tritone. Because the cutting pattern, the way the movie goes from shot to shot, is actually much more jarring than it is smooth. I mean, Wise certainly knew how to stage a scene so that one composition would flow naturally and seamlessly into the next shot. But instead, they feel like they're at odds with each other. They're at opposition visually. And the spatial compositions make me feel very uncomfortable as I'm watching. It doesn't feel, it's beautiful, but in a very sort of edgy way. And as he moves from shot to shot, I feel like he's finding the visual equivalent of the tritone to keep the audience on edge. The interval of a tritone actually really defines one of the hit songs in West Side Story, and that's Maria. Maria, I've just met a girl named Maria. At this point, when Tony and sings this song, he has met Maria at the dance. They have fallen in love at first sight, and he's just kind of rhapsodizing about how he just met this girl named Maria. Just a girl named Maria. The very first two notes of the tune, underscoring the first two syllables of Maria's name, actually spell the interval of a tritone. Maria, I've just met a girl named Maria, and suddenly that name will never be the same to me. Maria, I've just kissed a girl named Maria. The tension escalates between the Jets and the Sharks, and they plan to duke it out in a rumble. Tony had tried to de-escalate the rumble between the Jets and the Sharks by turning it into, as he called it, only a fist fight. I mean, again, he really has a vested interest in not perpetuating the discord between the two groups because he's in love with Maria. But the rumble takes place, knives come out, Maria's brother Nardo ends up getting killed by Tony himself, who also receives a knife wound, and the Jets' leader, Riff, also gets killed. After the rumble, the Jets and the Sharks scatter. The Jets end up in a parking garage. They're angry. They want to avenge Riff's death. Ice steps in as the Jets' new leader and tries to convince them to get cool and stay cool before the police start asking them questions. 
The tune of the song that Ice sings is based again on the interval of a tritone, which is outlined by the first two notes of the song. Boy, boy, crazy boy, get cool boy, got a rocket in your pocket. What the tritone tells us here is that the division between the jets and the sharks still exists. In fact, it has arguably never been deeper than it is now. Take it slow, and daddy-o, you can live it up and die in bed. And that division is at the very foundation of the gang's strategy for dealing with the police. And by the way, this song turns into one of the funnest dance numbers, I think, in this whole film, which is just full of fun, incredible dance numbers. Boy, go man, go, but not like a yo-yo school boy. Just play it cool, boy, real cool. Once again, what I noticed here visually is just how the compositions and the staging of the actors in the frame is so edgy and disjointed. You have these gang members in the foreground, and it makes for a very imbalanced frame, making the audience think subconsciously that something bad is going to happen. Asymmetrical framing is really one of the uh, key stylistic components that Wise uses in this film. And it's, again, a visual equivalent of what you're saying about, about the tritone. And one other thing to point out in this clip is just the light is also so hard-edged and aggressive that it really mimics the emotion of the gang members. Wise is definitely tapping into elements of film noir here. And also it's a very theatrical lighting style too and it suggests danger and the possibility of violence. But I was really struck by how we use the term low-key lighting to describe something like this. And it's film noir lighting, basically, where it's just really dark, basically, mm. you know? And again, like, for a romantic movie, it's an odd way to go, and it really is about the violence mm -hmm. and, and the nerviness of the gang members and really just communicating to the audience that this is not going to end well. He really does that visually. We'll be talking about the ending of West Side Story for a little while here. In this scene, Tony is shot and ultimately dies from that wound. Tony lies dying in Maria's arms on a vacant city lot while Maria sings their love song somewhere. Hold my hand and we're halfway there. Hold my hand and I'll take you there. Somehow, someday. Some of the jets carry Tony off the vacant lot, and after everyone else has left the lot, the musical score carries on with the music from somewhere. But 
after each repetition of the music that earlier in the film was sung on the word somewhere, a low note is now heard. And that low note is the interval of a dry tone away from the note that marks the home key of the music at this point in the score. So, in other words, the musical score gets the last word, and it tells us that the ethnic and cultural division that has been the conflict throughout the film has still not been resolved, even at the end of the show. Yeah, and for me in this scene, visually, it's the lighting that's really telling the story. Hmm. It's so dramatic, and Tony's death looks to me like it's happening on stage in terms of the way it's lit by spotlight. It's an incredibly violent moment also for a musical. Maria! And I think that if they had shot it realistically, it would have felt very different. It's violent, but it's not a realistic violence. It's a very theatrical kind of violence. And I think that that meshes well for a musical. I mean, I'm surprised by how violent the movie really is for a musical, yet I think the artificiality of the moments, the fact that all the different characters leave the scene at the end as if they're walking off stage, right. which is such a strange way for a movie to end, it feels much more like the end of a play. Yeah. So the artificiality of it all is what feels like it's not just a dark gang story, but it is a musical reminding us that. But it's a musical, it's meant to be a very modern musical and a very modern take on musicals, which is that musicals don't always end happily. Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. No, I had also wondered about the ending of this film as well, because again, they're all on the city lot. Tony has died there. How he ends up off the city lot is that some of the jets actually pick him up and carry him off. There's someone from the police there, and this, they're just kind of watching this happen. I mean, that would never, of course, happen in real life. Right, you know? of course. Um, so that's an interesting take on the artificiality. Yeah, I mean, you put this movie in context with classic American musicals of the 1940s and 50s that are so light and fun, and they can be highly artificial too, but there's always a happy ending in a musical. Like, musicals are not supposed to end like this. They're not supposed to end with murder and death and mayhem. And I think that's what makes the movie so modern in addition to the score. And this film adaptation is from 1961. So we're in a very different era from, you know, the musicals of the great Hollywood system <laughs> that were rolling out in, what, the 40s and the 50s. It's a very different America. Yeah, and it's also an America where the studio system is actually starting to break down. Right. So this movie is actually financed independently, too. So with the studio system starting to break down, you can have musicals that end unhappily. Jennifer Hembrick, midday host of Classical 101, WOSU Public Media in Columbus. And I'm John Sherman, Associate Professor of Film at Kenyon College. You've been listening to Sound Reels, Classical 101's film music podcast and a production of WOSU Public Media. Listen to more episodes of Sound Reels at wosu.org slash classical101podcasts. <laughs>